You're listening to the audio ministries of First Baptist Church of Troy, Texas. You're invited to join us for live and in-person morning worship every Sunday morning at 1045 a.m. Visit fbctroytx.org for a list of our activity times and family-centered community ministries. Now here's today's message. Amen. Good to see all of y'all here this morning. And uh, uh, I've got a gentleman here by me this morning that's going to be bringing the message. Uh, many of you know Ray Blundell, but for those that don't, uh, man, you and Martha have been a member here for several years. And uh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, uh, I've asked Ray if he would come, and uh, this is Palm Sunday. And he's going to be coming. We're still looking at Christ in the Old Testament. And uh, he's going to come and he's going to bring us a message. And I think you're going to, I know I'm looking forward to what Ray's going to share where Christ is in the Old Testament. I believe in Zechariah we're going to be looking at. And you're going to see Christ there. Uh, Ray is a retired pastor. He's a retired uh, missionary. missionary uh, a foreign, I still say foreign missionary, international, yeah, I think is what yeah. they say now. Uh, Uganda, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And so he's got more experience in his little finger than what I've got in my whole body and knowledge no. too. So, uh, but I am so looking forward to this. And so please listen up with what Ray, what God has put on Ray's heart as we look at Christ in the Old Testament this Palm Sunday. Ray, okay. let me have a word of prayer with you, my okay. friend. Father God, I just lift Ray up to you. Lord, I'm excited about what you are going to say through him. Lord, I'm excited about what I'm going to learn. Father, I pray, let me see Jesus. Let me see him in these passages. And Lord, I pray it would impact my life. Lord, I pray it would impact the lives of all those listening. And Father, I say thank you to what you're going to do. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Thank you, Harlan, for sharing your pulpit with, with me. And uh, pastoring all these years that I have pastored, I've one of my biggest problems was in the 80s when we changed what we would wear. I've got a closet with 11 suits in it that I never wear. I get them out and dust them off every once in a while. They're, they're all, the coats are all Fifth Avenue coats, uh, two button coats that never go out of style, never a fad, but always in style. So uh, I enjoyed hearing Harlan take, a, take the challenge of preaching from judges, <laughs> all those judges, and just finding one of them for, for Jesus. But I remembered when I got in my closet and decided what I was going to wear this morning, I remembered that in Judges, twice it says, uh, they... Uh, find their conduct by one verse that mentioned twice. They did whatever was right in their own eyes. So I looked in the closet. Uh, this is Palm Sunday. Those palm branches are green. So I said, my olive green is right in my own eyes. So that is what I have on this morning. And I will enjoy using it. All right. Uh, now this morning we will also do it the old-fashioned way. You'll have to find the scriptures in your own Bible or, or your tech toy, whatever it is that you've got. And uh, I can 
give you three that you might look for and enjoy and have it open when the time comes if you have your Bible. Uh, we're at Zechariah 9, 9, Zechariah the ninth chapter and the ninth verse. We will also look at Mark 11, 1 through 10. Mark 11, 1 through 10. This is the New Testament version of what is in Zechariah 9, 9. And, and then one at the end, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Now you'll like to find that because it's 3.16. You, you like 3.16. It's an interesting study to look at all the 3.16s in the Bible too. That, that will uh, give you a revelation of a bunch of stuff. Now, uh, as Harlan said, we are following the Old Testament, looking for Christ in the Old Testament. Now, and we, here we are in, in Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is a book, first of all, it's a book. It's one of the 14 minor prophets. Now, minor does not mean that it, its, its message is less than any other message. Minor simply refers to the volume of words and chapters that's in that book. There are 14 of them. Zechariah is probably the, the largest of them, less minor of them, because it has 14 chapters in it. The other 12, I think one other has 12, the others are less. Now, in Zechariah also, I have marked 12 messianic passages that point us clearly to Jesus. Now, don't get all excited. We're only going to do two of them this morning. All right. Uh, not only is Zechariah a book, but Zechariah is a man. He's of the priestly lineage of Israel. His, he is the grandson of a man named Edo. Edo was a, the father of a large family. Edo was his, his grandfather that took Zechariah uh, among the 42,000 that with Zerubbabel, the governor that returned to Israel with the specific job of rebuilding the temple in, in, in Jerusalem. Uh, so this makes uh, Zechariah born in Babylon. He's going to encourage them to build a temple that he never saw. He's, they're building a new one. It was gone, uh, torn up 70 years earlier. So uh, Zechariah comes in then uh, he becomes the voice of God to encourage these people to rebuild the temple. It seems like that they got a good start, started off well. It tells us that when they laid out the foundation for, for the temple, some of the older folks that had seen the original one 70 years earlier cried because it was so small. The younger ones that had never seen the temple cried for joy because they were building it again. 
So uh, Zechariah had to deal with these uh, attitudes as he did this. Now in, uh, you don't need to turn to it, but in, in the eighth, eighth chapter, twice in there, you, you find the, the traditional translation of, of Zechariah telling them to, for their hands to be strong talking about rebuilding the temple. The modern translation of that says, get to work and build the temple. So, so this is the message that Zechariah had. And, and in verse nine, it brings it down to Christ. He says, rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. All right, so this is the, the prophecy that Zechariah gives us. Our first point then is riding on a donkey. Your king is coming, riding on a donkey. And as I read here, this announcement that Zechariah gave is a joyous one. Uh, as the voice of Zechariah says to them, rejoice, your king is coming. And he's coming to the temple. Get the temple ready, prepare it, build it, so that uh, the king will have his place to come. Now if you read on in Zechariah, you'll find that toward the end he tells us, we find him saying, we finished the temple. We got it built. He stayed with them, kept encouraging them till they did that. So this is a joyous uh, word that from the voice of Zechariah that the king, your king, is uh, coming. Now, we, we need to note that Israel's hope, Israel's expectation had always been, and it still is now. We, we lived, in, lived and pastored in Florida for, for three years down, down there, and we lived in an area uh, called, called the Fountains, and we were the only Gentiles in there. <laughs> and uh, I found out they're still looking for the king to come, looking for him. And so anyhow, uh, this is, uh, it's talking about the king. He's just, he is honest, he, he is righteous. Now, I've always loved digging into the etymology of the word righteous and righteousness. It has within it a basis of acceptability. When, when God gives us his righteousness, he makes us acceptable to him. Unrighteousness is that which is in our lives that is not acceptable to him. That makes a lot of, of difference or a lot of meaning uh, to me rather than that marvelous religious word righteous, you know. Uh, I want to know what it means. So as he's coming, he is honest, he is righteous, he is having salvation, bringing Salvation. Now, if he's going to bring salvation, this means that he's going to free somebody from uh, some enslavement or some situation that he needs to, in a victorious way, take, take them out. 
So there is the idea of victory of the king that is coming. Now they were looking, Israel's hope was a political victory. A king like David or Solomon that would make their country uh, the most powerful one in the world and would at least free them from Rome. But Jesus has come with a spiritual victory. This was his mission. This is his mission to us. And it also speaks of him being humble, lowly like his transportation, lowly on the mule, on the donkey, not mule, but on the donkey coming there. So uh, I, I think that when the folks of, of Zechariah heard this prophecy, some of them probably had in person, it's not gonna be a donkey he's riding on, but he's gonna come on a big white horse and a big army behind him to, to conquer all of our enemies, but that's not the way that it was. And th this though was their hope, and we will see that uh, a little bit, little bit later. Now, this prophecy that Zechariah gave to them, where he says, rejoice, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. All right, it says, your king. I, I used to put this in saying, the king is coming. The king is coming. But Zechariah said, your king is coming. He's speaking to Israel here, Zechariah is speaking to Israel saying, your king is coming, get the temple ready, get things ready for him to come. But, but it, would, it would take uh, 500 years for the fulfillment of uh, this. And we, we, we find the fulfillment of this scripture in, uh, I, I gave you Mark, Mark, Mark 11 and uh, verses, uh, let me do two and three. Jesus is, this is in the last few days of Jesus' life, the last week of his human life. And he is coming into Jerusalem and has gotten up on the hillside looking down and he says to his disciples, and now we, we have not only the, not the voice of Zechariah, but we have the voice of Jesus in the fulfillment of the prophecy that Zechariah gave 500 years earlier. He says, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And so they did that in verse 7. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road. And others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on, 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 on the road. And then he gives in verse 9... Uh, you remember in Zechariah, he said, shout, 
for glory. So they're doing it. Hosanna, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the, is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They are praising him as the king that will be the, uh, the king that they expect the king that will fulfill their ideas about who it, who it is. So, so he comes, and there are the shouts of, of praise. Other places in Scripture says, or if we go on here, that the religious leaders were following Jesus, and they were there watching this happen as he was put up on the donkey and was going uh, down the road to the, to the, to the temple. And they were shouting praise, and the, the religious leaders stopped, uh, said to him, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't have them praising you. You're just a man. And then Jesus turned to them and said, if they don't do it, the rocks are going to stand up and, and praise me. That's who he is as he, as he comes. Now, I like also to consider the donkey. Harlan, there's a whole sermon in there about the donkey. It's, it, it says that this is a donkey, and it mentions the donkey's mama. He's a colt of, of a donkey. Now, he's not a little bitty thing. Uh, this is a full-grown donkey. He's going to have a full-grown man riding on his, on his back. But it also says that no one has ever ridden him. Now... Uh, when, when I was young in El Campo, Texas, a teenager, they used to have what was called a donkey ball game. Have you ever seen one of those? Man, the guy hits, hits, hits the ball and he's got to jump on the donkey and run to first base. Now, most of the donkeys don't like being jumped on and, and spurred and made to run to first base, but this, this donkey knows who's on him. This donkey knows his master. This, this donkey is doing exactly what the master wants him to do. It may be that in our relationship with God, we would be a lot happier and we would be a lot more productive as a follower of him if we had the attitude and character of the donkey just to do what he wants done. I like that. Uh, I'll not preach that sermon right now. You can do it later, uh, Harlan. Okay. Okay, so then, so then this takes care of point one, which is the donkey. Point two is the 30 pieces of silver. You, you see, Jesus is not only praised, but he is also betrayed. And we're going to get into his, his betrayal when we finish his, his betrayal. And he, as uh, Judas comes with the crowd to, to take him to Pilate, uh, I'm going to get down to that and leave the rest of it to you all for next, next Sunday. But 30 pieces of silver. In, in the uh, 11th chapter of, of Zechariah, we, we have uh, Zechariah is given the job by God of being the voice of the good shepherd. 
that's in here. Now, I, I'm not, I, I would have to read the whole chapter of uh, 11 to you to find out about it, but this is, this is what is, is in there. Uh, he, he says in verse 11 and 12, so it was, uh, uh, no, I want verse 12 and 13. Then I said to them, if it is agreeable to you, give me my wages, if not refrain. So they weighed out for him my wages, 30 pieces of silver. Now, now this in uh, chapter, ch ch chapter 11 here, it uh, talks about the good, good shepherd. And it seems that the owners of the sheep have hired one to be the good shepherd. And Zechariah takes on the person of that good shepherd. And the owners of the sheep are abusing the sheep and killing them for their own personal profit. And the good shepherd comes and takes care of the sheep, loves them, protects them, cares for them, and it cuts into the profit of the ones who, who, who own it. And the good shepherd finds out that the owners don't like what he's doing. So he, th that's what he says to them, if it is agreeable to you, give me my wages. Uh, pay me off and I'll leave. And you won't have to put up with me anymore. Now, now this is what happens here. So they give him 30 pieces of silver. And there's a lot of significance in this 30 pieces of silver. First of all, it's a, it's a contemptuous insult to the good shepherd. The, the 30 pieces of silver is the pay to a potter. And the potter was the lowest class of workmen, the lowest paid workmen there, the lowest valued workers during Zechariah's day. And, and so they, they say to the good shepherd, you're only worth the lowest value a human being that can be. And this is how they pay, pay him off. Now then, we, we first hear from the 30 pieces of silver in Exodus 21 and verse 32. This is at Mount Sinai whenever uh, Moses is giving the law that God has given to, to him. And in verse 32 it says, If the ox gores a male or female servant, he shall give to their master 30 pieces of silver, and the ox will be stoned. So he's saying here, the idea is that, that an ox, a wild ox that you own, kills or vastly damages and makes useless a slave of your neighbors. So when that happens, then the value of the slave is 30 pieces of silver. You, you give this lowest evaluation to that. Now, now this is what has happened to Jesus. So then, G Jesus is that good shepherd. And uh, we're going to find out about the good shepherd. Now, in, uh, 
And you're preparing for for Easter, preparing your own heart spiritually for Easter, let me recommend to you John chapter 10 about this is the Good Shepherd chapter. John chapter 10. He uh, says in verse 11 and in verse 14 that he is the good, Good Shepherd. Uh, In verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. And in verse 14, again, he says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I'm known by by them. (coughs) He goes on to say in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, shall, and, and neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. If, if you want to know who Jesus is to you at this Easter time, he's the good shepherd. He's the one who cares for you. And he says, I give my life to my sheep. And his sheep are those who have faith in him, believe in him, trust in him, act like the donkey. They do what he wants done without any kicking or stomping or hee-hawing, just doing what God wants done. So um, we, we have also the, the betrayal uh, of the good shepherd, and let me find that. That is in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 14. Now the, the religious leaders, the background of this, that the, the uh, religious leaders have, have seen what Jesus did as the good shepherd. He, he fed the sheep. He fed 5,000 one time, just the men. No telling how many it was. Didn't count the women, women and children. He fed 4,000 one time. Didn't count the men and uh, women. Uh, they, were, they were out on a hillside because uh, the crowds were into the thousands. There was no place in town for them, them to meet. So they were out on a hillside where all of these thousands of followers, his sheep had followed him out there and he was feeding them. <clears throat> An amazing thing about the feeding is that with the 5,000, he took up 12 baskets of leftovers. With the 4,000, he took up seven baskets of leftovers. So when you are complaining about leftovers at home, think about the fact that Jesus was interested in leftovers also, all right? That doesn't cost you anything. That's just, that's just, just extra there. It uh, says in Matthew 26, verse 14, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver, the price of the lowest valued human being, thirty pieces of silver. Now, Judas... 
Judas was not just a one-time traveler through town who needed some money and he had heard that the religious leaders would give some money if you would identify this man called Jesus. And, and the traveler through might have said, well, I'm out of money. I'll find out who Jesus is. I think I can do that. No, no, that's not what we have here. Judas was a member of the most prestigious club that was ever known in human history. He was one of the Jesus' 12 apostles, but he had lost his faith in Jesus. You see, Judas had a political program for Jesus, and he found out that Jesus was not going to be the king that he wanted done, so he would just get a little bit of, of money out of it and go betray him. Now, Judas is not the only one that's ever done that. Have you ever been disappointed because Jesus didn't answer your prayer immediately for healing or immediately to fill up your bank account or immediately for changing your child that is not doing what you want that child to do? That means we're... Uh, and a Jew, we have the attitude of Judas also of betraying him. But, but Judas, Judas went on to, to do that. Now, I, I, I love the, the, the voice of, of Jesus whenever Judas came. Judas came in that garden, garden of Gethsemane, came to, with a crowd of people he, having told them, when I place a kiss on his cheek, that's who he is. And when he came, Jesus saw him. He didn't say, you dirty, rotten rascal, what are you doing? Now, that's what we might have done, isn't it? No, he very kindly says, why are you here? He prefaced it with, friend, friend, why are you here? Here. He did it kindly. He addressed him mercifully. He gave Judas the opportunity to confess his sins and get everything right, right there. But Judas didn't. Judas didn't. Now, um, as, as he betrayed Jesus, I'm going to leave that and go on in the sermon. Harlan can tell us about what happened when he, when, 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 when he was arrested. I'll tell you just a little bit. One of the things I love in this Zachariah sermon is the voices, the voices. We had the, the voice of Zachariah giving us the prophecy. We have the voice of Jesus saying, go get the donkeys, I'm gonna fool fulfill this. We, we have the voice of Judas saying, how much if I betray him? We have the voice of Jesus very kindly saying, Judas, why are you here? Why are you here? He finally got to, was taken to Pilate. Pilate examined him and he came back to the crowd and said, uh, what shall I do with him? They, the same ones that had praised him as he rode in on the donkey says, Crucify him, crucify him. There's a lot of voices here. 
on the cross, some of those same people were standing around there and they jeered at him and made fun of him and said he saved others, but he cannot save himself. A lot of voices uh, that have uh, a source of Satan in them. And we need to be careful of our voices. By the way, it is my personal opinion that Satan is loosed in a way in our world today that he never has been. There is what I call a creeping demon possession going through our whole world. Not just demon oppression. Now, if you're a believer and you know Christ as your Savior, Satan can only oppress you. He cannot possess you. You are possessed by the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. But I, I, I am convinced that we're in a world that Satan thinks he's going to destroy. Lawless, lack of discipline, doing what's right in their own eyes, all of this kind of stuff is, as far as I am concerned, it's a creeping demon possession in our world. And, it, and it's getting ready for the Lord to come back. Now then, not your king is coming, but our king is coming today. See, you, you see, uh, in, in Zechariah, we have the, the prophecy of the first coming. 500 years later, Jesus becomes the one that says, I am here. I am your, your king. We need to believe that. And, and then in Zechariah, if you'll go read it, there's a whole bunch about the future coming, the second coming. He predicts the first coming, and then in his book he tells us also about the second coming. So that means that we, we believe the prophecies about the first coming, and we have the expectation that he's coming, coming again, but we live in between right now. And he has an eternally important message for each one of us. Our king is coming. Now, if our king is uh, coming, where is the temple? In Jerusalem, there is no temple. But Paul helps us with this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, he says it in another place too, but he says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now, as, as he comes uh, today, as I said earlier, we believe in his first coming. We believe in his, in his, in his coming again. Now, now, my old missionary friend that I used to travel Uganda's roads with, passing out the gospel as best we could, he used to say, I'm going to meet the Lord uh, in the air or at the river. He, 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 he said at the river was in death, and Jesus is going to help him across the river into the promised land. And, and so we are here. We will meet him in the air 
if it's not too much of a surprise and disappointment to us, if our temple's not ready, we need to get our temple ready for Him. Now, many of us looking out here, we're ripe as far as meeting Him at the river. <laughs> we have fewer days than some others do, possibly. We, we may end up like that future quarterback uh, up there in Florida, I think it was, that he was driving along and a dump truck ran into him. Bing! He's, he, he's gone. Well, we, we drive 35 and uh, one little flat tire or one guy trying to text can take us out just like that. We need to be ready. The king, our king, is coming. He's coming to us. Our job is preparing the temple for him. Whenever Jesus came in his first uh, coming and rode the donkey, went to the temple, and what did he find? A bunch of corruption in the temple. It was not fit for him to go in. And, and he cleansed it and, and said, my temple should be a house of prayer, not a house of thievery. And, and so as he comes today, he's looking for a temple. There's none in Jerusalem. It's our hearts now. And our job, the application of all of this, of Easter, of Palm Sunday, all of this is that we recognize the fact that our King is coming and He wants to live in a temple that is our heart. Now, uh, we need to be ready for, for that. Uh, today, as he's looking for that temple, there, there are some that have never welcomed him into your heart as a, as, as a temple. It, it always used to scare me when I pastored and gave the invitation, here comes a mama pulling a five-year-old down there to be baptized. That's that was scary, scary for, for me. And, and then I think of my roommate at Baylor. I had four of them. Uh, he was from Arkansas. I was talking to him about the Lord, and he says, okay, yeah, I'm a member of the church. Said I went, when I was 14, I went down there, told a preacher what he wanted to hear. He baptized me. I became a member of the church, and it got my mother off my back. Now, now, I got a feeling that there's a bunch of folks that are members of churches that are not a temple where Jesus can come and dwell and feel happy there. I want you to think about that. I don't have anybody in mind, but I know that this does happen. And so you need to open up your heart today and talk to the Lord. Now, I can't tell you how you are. Harlan can't tell you that. You have to let God tell you and show you where you are, a believer or a betrayer of Him at this time. Now, you may, you may be able to settle that up where you are, at your pew, praying and getting yourself right with God now. Uh, maybe it, it, it demands a movement from you and you can come and turn these steps into an altar here 
and pray that God will straighten you out and you can clean up your life for him. Or your pastor is standing here at the front. You can come and, and pray to him and ask him to help you to become the kind of Christian that you need to be or to help you clean up your temple that he might be ready to uh, come and get in that. We, we need to get ready for him. And uh, there's no better time than Easter season when all the information for getting ready for him to come. And remember, our king is coming. We may meet him in the air. We may meet him at, at the river. But to, to make those meetings positive, you need to meet him now. Now. Get yourself ready for him now. Now, I'm, I'm going to have a prayer with you if you'll bow your heads right now. And while I voice a, a prayer, you make yours to God and talk to him about what kind of temple you are. Are you acceptable for his entering your life as, as, a, as a temple where he can dwell? Or are you unacceptable? If you're unacceptable, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, meaning cleanse us from all that is unacceptable to him. Do that today if you don't have the confidence of meeting him in a positive way when he comes in his second coming. Dear Father, Thank you for this opportunity to meet with all of these folks today in a free way. There's not anybody out there to stop us but our own lack of commitment to you. And thank you for all that have come here. And Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to work in the hearts of every one of us. Every one of us open up ourselves to you that we might be the temple that you will accept acceptable to you where you can come and live in our body and soul, heart, mind, all that we are, that it might belong to you and we'll be willing to welcome you, clean things up and welcome you into our life as your holy temple. For we pray in Jesus' name. Now will you stand and as we sing, sing together, if there's a decision that you need to make, uh, come and tell Harlan to, to receive Christ as Savior, to rededicate, renewal, rejuvenate your, your life as a temple where Jesus can, can live. But for sure, like, like Isaiah says, seek him while he is near. And if he's near to you today, this is your opportunity right now eternal opportunity right now. Don't pass it up. We'd like to personally thank you for taking the time out of your day to hear our latest message. Do us a favor and send an email to outreach at fbctroytx.org to let us know that you heard us and what you thought of the message. Remember to visit fbctroytx.org to learn more about how we support our local community. Again, thank you for listening.